You are listening to the PFG Vibecast. I am your co-host, Julie Voigt, and with me as always is Mr. Russell Baxter. Russell, take it away. Well, welcome to our second installment of the PFG Vibe History Series. Um, last week, we had a chance to talk Chicago Bears with Tom Pollan. Um, this week, we're going to get a chance to talk all NFL history uh, with one of the best in the business, and his name is John Turney. Uh, his Twitter handle is NFL underscore journal. He is a, he's more than a fountain of information. He's more like a reservoir um, when it comes to the history of this league. And, you know, John and I met each other many, many years ago. We haven't seen each other in a while, but we both have enormous passion um, for the history of the league. And if you follow John on Twitter and see him on Facebook as well, um, that's very, very evident. John, it is good to talk to you again. Yeah, pleasure, Russell. And it's uh, glad to be here. Um, you know, the first thing I think Julie and I want to ask you is, how did you get interested in the history of the league? Um, and going back, is it, was it just that you got hooked on football very, very early and then followed up on it? What makes the history of the National Football League so much fun for you? Yeah, I think it is that. I got hooked on it very early. My, my father and brother were big fans, and we would watch the games. And at 8, 9, 10 years old, I was watching full games. I didn't understand anything. But for Christmas and my birthday, I would get books and anything on sports, and especially football, which was my favorite. I would read those books and memorize them as much as I could. And, and of course, played sports throughout high school. Of course, was not very good, but still kept the passion. How I got into football research was in the 90s, Lawrence Taylor was racking up massive sack totals, and you would see his name as the all-time sack leader, and I thought it was odd because from the old books I had, Deacon Jones had a lot more, and I set about to, to prove that, and that's kind of how I got into the business in the, in the early 90s, and one thing led to another, and now I'm the, the one who did the sack research and the, the all pro book and little esoteric facts that are maybe interesting to just a few people, but those few people seem to enjoy them. All right. So um, apparently along with history um, goes along with, of course, the Hall of Fame. And as we've been telling a lot of people that we plan on traveling out to Canton for the Hall of Fame. And this is actually going to be my very first time. What do you suggest that as a first timer, um, as a fan, someone should check out? <laughs> well, enjoy the Cantonese food. <laughs> oh, <laughs> That's the old joke because of, uh, you know, uh -huh. Canton, Ohio. Right. <laughs> but, uh, of course, the displays are great. But um, I would suggest for, for you, Julie, I would go not only at this time, but, but find a time in the fall or in the winter and make an appointment in the Hall of Fame library and go in there and dig into some of the books, the records. You can find all of George Allen's playbooks and you can thumb through those. Or you can see programs, game programs from the early 1920s. And they've got game programs and they've got, oh, films. They've got all sorts of things that are available to researchers in that library. And, of course, that's where I spend all my time. And I know Russell has spent a lot of time there. I think we were there together once, in fact. It's just incredible. So I would suggest that. But also make in 
friendships with the players. They're going to enjoy being interviewed. They like talking about their careers. And as you do interviews, you'll just respect how they honor the game by, by keeping their heads high and by really keeping the flame of the game. And I think that's what you'll enjoy the most. John, what, what do you find, you know, I, I, I find in terms of the younger sports fans that there is a curiosity. I mean, you, you still have a faction of, you know, people you talk to out there who somewhat forget or choose to ignore uh, the years of the NFL before the Super Bowl era. But, I, you know, but more times than not, you find a genuine curiosity uh, among the younger fans in terms of that. Um, tell me how you feel about that. Do, do you still think that the days before the Super Bowl era are very overlooked, or do you think there's much more appreciation than we think? I think they are overlooked. I call this generation the highlight generation, and it's even creeping into the Super Bowl era. I'm talking about the ignorance is creeping. For example, you will see posts and tweets about how great the receivers are, and they'll post the numbers. This guy has 1,200 catches or 15,000 yards. And then they'll uh, really disrespect and throw a lot of shade off great players who made great plays in big games, but the numbers don't look all that great because they just don't get that it was a dead ball era. You know as well as I do that Lynn Swan, if he played today, would have put up numbers like Marvin Harrison. He's kind of a comparison in terms of size and, and, and speed and quickness and route running. But a lot of people just don't get that Lynn Swan was a great Hall of Fame receiver. And also what I like about the pre-Super Bowl era is watching the films, and I've been to NFL films numerous times, seeing a 4-3 defense being played in the 1940s, 10 years before so, you know, Tom Landry so-called invented it, or watching the, the Bears' 46 defense being used essentially by Greasy Neal in 1952. So the origins of the game fascinate me and the aesthetics of it too, seeing those old films, some of them in color. It's a total experience for me. It's the artwork, it's the film, it's the statistics, it's all of it to me. And that's why football is still exciting to me and I've been following it for 40 years. And that's kind of what I try to do on Pro Football Journal and on NFL Journal on, on Twitter. Share the art, share the films, share the statistics, not just one thing. Is there a member of the class of 2019 that you're looking forward to going in more than me, one of the others, John? Well, probably a sentimental favorites would be Jerry Kramer and, and Johnny Robinson and nothing against the other guys that are certainly deserving but Jerry Kramer I don't know why but there was What's a the, time the, not to interrupt you but Kramer went in last year I was talking more this class oh this class okay well I would go with Johnny Robinson then okay um and my apologies you're right That's uh it was, waited a long time it's easy to get mixed up so <laughs> yeah especially with my brain but with Johnny Robinson, he was a guy that was overlooked. He was a six-time All-AFL player, and he picked off a lot of passes. But he also had those little intangibles that, that people look for, at least that I look for. He played in the Super Bowl with a broken rib. He played hurt. He, he was an offensive player first and then moved to the defensive side. So anytime these older guys get in from the seniors committee, I get excited about it. 
this is going to seem like a weird question, but I have somebody in mind that I, I even talked to him a lot about this once when I met him at the Hall of Fame. Um, do you have a Pro Football Hall of Fame player, John, who you think is, dare I say, underrated? Um, yes, I think there are certain players that are underrated. Um, I'll give you one example. I don't know if you could say underrated in terms of his legendary status, but how it, how it was hard for him to get in. And I'm going to give you the name Jack Youngblood. Now, okay. Here's a guy who took 12, 12 years to get in the Hall of Fame. He's also a guy who was a five-time consensus All-Pro. That's, that's the same number as Deacon Jones. He went to seven Pro Bowls. That's one less than Deacon Jones. When you add up his sacks, he had 151 and a half. Now, there are people with a few more, uh, Deacon Jones being one of them, Reggie White. But, but he was, for years, third and fourth on the list. He was one of the best pass rushers of the era. He was also a couple of time defensive player of the year in the NFC. He also played in the Super Bowl with the, with the fracture in his leg. So here's a guy, and he's, you know, to me, he's the fifth or fourth best 4-3 defensive end ever. But you never see his name listed on, on the, best, the best of lists. Like NFL Films, for example, left him off of the top 10 pass rushers of all time. Here's a guy that was third in sacks, and they put other players who had 80 or 90 sacks in. It just didn't make any sense to me. So I'll give you that name. Yeah, my, my, my guy on my list, by the way, is, um, is Lenny Moore. Um, I actually talked to Lenny Moore and told him he was Thurman Thomas before there was Thurman Thomas. Um, you know, his touchdown production, his ability to run and catch. Um, I, if there is an underrated one for me, you know, it's obviously subjective. Um, but to me, it's, it's, it's Colts running back Lenny Moore. Uh, yeah, and I've got no problem with that. In fact, I would say he's uh, Thurman Thomas before Thurman Thomas or even Marshall Falk. Right. Because Lenny Moore would flank out and run wide receiver routes, which Marshall Falk did. I don't know if Thurman did that or if he did, it wasn't much. But, yes, there's nothing wrong with remembering a guy like that who would also – he was a, a money goal line runner too. So he's scoring 20 touchdowns, I believe, one season. But he was a guy who got it done in all facets of the game. So now my question to you, and it's probably a really, really broad, wide question, but is there anybody that you see that should be in the Hall of Fame but has not been in there recently? Yeah, there's quite a few. Um, I would give you a, a, a long list, but I won't do that. Uh, I think Donnie Shell, I think, is somebody who deserves consideration. Pro Scout Inc., which is Mike Gidding's group, is a, has been scouting the NFL for 40 years. They've been getting paid for it 40, for 40 years. Said they never got a bad look mm -hmm. from Donnie Shell. And to them, the word look means they watched the film and graded it on all aspects of the game. There's like 20 or 22 different little aspects they look at on each player. So there's one. Randy Gratishar is another one. Uh, clearly, Jack Lambert was the best inside linebacker from, from that era, say 1975 to 85. But a close second was Gratishar. He was a defensive player of the year. Uh, he was on part of a defense that was one of the two or three best for a long period of time. He went to seven Pro Bowls. He, he averaged over 100 solo tackles a year. He was known as a hard hitter. 
and probably one of the top three or four coverage linebackers ever. He's in the Jack Lambert, Joe Schmidt, Ray Lewis category of coverage. So there's two names I would give you. Well, I'm sure you could probably give me about 50 or 60. <laughs> and probably do this for hours and hours, John. Oh, yeah, Elsie uh, Greenwood, uh, Chuck Howley, I would right. put in if I could. And there's some old-timers that, that I think deserve to go in, people from the 1920s. I didn't get a chance to see him. I've seen about 16 minutes of Ox Emerson. He was a guard for the Detroit Lions, also played defense. And that Lions team of the 30s not only won a championship, but one year they had seven shutouts on defense. A uh, couple times they rushed for over 2,400 yards. In fact, it was the 1972 Dolphins that broke that Lions team's record for rushing yards in a season. Imagine holding that for almost 40 years. Somebody had to be blocking. So I had to give you Ox Emerson, Dupes, Slater, lots of guys. Love it. Love it. Any chance you can be in Canton in August? No, I won't be there this year. Uh, got to, too many things going on family-wise, but uh, – Boy, one of these days I am going to get out there and do more research, though. Sounds good. Well, I, I anticipate – I think we need attorney vibe meeting in the research <laughs> library. Um, we'll have to set it up with Pete Fearley and Salim and, uh, um, and John Kindle, and, and hopefully they can all give us access. What do you think, John? Yeah, I think that should happen. Absolutely. Well, listen, for people – It's fun stuff, and you've been in there. You've seen all that stuff. It's just oh, incredible absolutely. to me that they've, they've kept it. Kid in a candy store. Kid. Well, listen, they've kept everything I wasn't able to take. I, I'll just – never mind. That's a whole different stuff. <laughs> there's a, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in there. You know, and I can tell you from my days with ESPN, anytime we needed anything, uh, you know, if Chris Berman was doing a nostalgic piece or something like that, you know, one phone call and a FedEx pack of – microfilm newspaper clips and magazine clips those guys are absolutely invaluable and all are so great to work with so um we can't wait well i'm definitely envious and there's you know it'll be fun and it's a lot bigger and actually more fun <laughs> these days they've added on so many wings and so many different things and uh you know julie you're gonna love it it'll be an, it'll be a great experience for you i remember the first time i went in 96. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my, it's funny, John. My first year was 30 years ago, which was 1989 when the, the ceremony was still on the steps. The game was right. in the afternoon. The class I saw was Art Shell, Willie Wood, Mel Blunt, um, and some guy named Terry Bradshaw, who had quite the speech that afternoon. Yes. <laughs> and he, he even coaxed Mike Webster to, to get out of his chair and snap the ball to him one more time. Absolutely. Well, John, this was a blast. Uh, for people who want to learn more about the history of this league, please follow John on Twitter at NFL underscore journal. Um, he's a fountain of information. Um, he does it with a lot of accuracy. He does it with a lot of integrity, and he has a lot of fun doing it. John, thanks for so much for coming on the show tonight. Anytime, Russell. It was a pleasure to speak to you as well, Julie. Thank you. That was fun. It was great to hear from John. You can obviously tell the passion in his voice um, for what he does. Um, and, you know, I had the opportunity to meet him quite a few years ago. 
uh, I love the story he tells about the sack record um, or the sack records. Uh, you know, if you, you look at the official all-time NFL stats, there are no stats, sack stats for Deacon Jones and Mean Joe Green and Bob Lilly and all those guys before the league made it official in 1982. And if you want to get more of that type of information, again, follow John Turney at NFL underscore journal on Twitter. And if you want to also get not only get history, but a more modern take on what's going on in the league right now, I hope you're following our new series. Julie and I um, are talking about the intriguing players for each division this season. We've already done the AFC East. Next week, we'll do the NFC East. You can find it on ProFootballGuru.com on the PFG Vibe tab. Um, but it's safe to say that Julie, Julie noted underscore PFG, or myself, Dax Football Guru, or PFG Vibe, all on Twitter, we'll send it out, you know, maybe five, six, 400 times um, over the next couple of days. So at, at least in our series, keep an eye on some stuff that Julie's working on as well. Um, again, great time talking to John about history. Um, we'll be back in a couple of days with another show continuing our history series. Um, thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you soon. So long, everyone.